0: Hello friends and welcome to the Cinemondo podcast. Wow, today it's just me and Mark. We're going to get like one view on this video. Point,
1: point 0.7 views, you know. I know, we're going
0: to we're going to lose subscribers because Kathy is not here.
1: This is our first non-Kathy podcast review video since we started Cinemando way back in 1959. I mean, it's Yeah. She's just, you know, she's a workaholic. Loves yeah. it. But she got called away for a work call, so we're going to just push forward and talk. Do something a little bit different today. You know, it's uh, we usually do trailer reviews, we do movie reviews, TV. So we're going to do something a little bit different. But before we get into that, I do want to just let everybody know and just remind everybody to like, comment, subscribe to our Cinemondo YouTube channel, and give a super thanks. And you know, whatever whenever you do that, it's much appreciated by all of us.
0: Yes. Yeah, So, and Anyways, you can so. see, um, you can go back in through our history, like Mark said, back to 1958. I think we our we first
1: review was uh, for Sea Hunt. How we yeah. talked about uh, That's we thought right. that yeah. you know, Jeff and Bo Bridges might turn into something, you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> Those that kids are going <laughs> places. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. Yeah. You can. I mean, maybe not that far back, but <laughs> there, we do have some. Uh, we do have a lot of diverse content. And uh, one thing that I've always I've always done I always like to read I, I love movies, but I always like to read books about movies, yeah. and about filmmakers and about production and about how films are made and things like that. I mean, it's it's one thing to read uh, you know books about the celebrities, the actors, or whatever, but I tend to gravitate more towards the directors, you know, and. and uh, To me, it's it's really fun and kind of amazing sometimes to read about films being the production of films, because sometimes it just seems so unlikely that a film would be as good as it is sometimes, considering the trouble that went into the production of that film. And one director who I think about a lot in terms of how the hell did his films ever get made is... (laughs) Stanley Kubrick, you know, I know everybody's familiar with Stanley Kubrick, but the guy was a um, an absolute perfectionist, probably one of the most notorious filmmaking perfectionists Hell, ever. Yeah. Whoever was, and yeah. and his films, not just a perfectionist, but his films when you watch them, you're you're conscious of the fact that you were watching a film that was made by a perfectionist.
1: Yes, be- and be- uh, go ahead. Sorry, I don't want to. No. I was going to say, and also he before he got into making being a film director, he was a photographer, and yeah. there are books out there now. Speaking of books, that just you see Kubrick as a younger man taking pictures, mostly like in his hometown of New York City, and they're stunning, beautifully, you know, staged, you know, professional f- photographs, and you can tell that he took that thinking to okay, I'm going to do that, but with moving pictures. Yes, same sort of, you know vibe to what I'm making as a director, as I did as a as a photographer.
0: He was a storyteller with his still photographs. A lot of the photographs that he did when he was young, um, I mean, even still in high school, he was taking brilliant photographs and, you know, staging things, too. I think he staged things. I mean, he was directing some yes. of his photo shoots even when he was younger. You know, he was telling people, you know, turn around, move over here, let's get better light, let's move... He right. wasn't just doing the Ouija thing where he was just snapping reality. And Ouija probably set things up too, but you know, of course. But Kubrick, when you look at his pictures, you can you can kind of see. I imagine I imagine him as a teenager wanting to take a picture and saying, "Okay, just hold it, just one second. I'm going to move that chair in the background a little bit. Yeah, Moves yeah. it, goes and back. Okay, mm, let me move it a little bit more. You know, I <laughs> can just yeah, imagine. If family's
1: family, like, just take the picture of the camera. yeah." <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner, like, it's, it's not, he doesn't take snapshots, he takes photographs. Yeah, let me,
0: let me correct the angle <laughs> of that fork, you know. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, that's the, um, that's fascinating to me, and the fact that he, he launched these massive undertakings with his films, and a, and a bunch of years ago, there was a book that came out called the Stanley Kubrick Archives, and maybe some of our viewers have seen that book, it's, it was a massive, heavy coffee table book that was filled with behind the scenes stuff and it went through chronologically all of his films from his very first films a lot of people haven't heard of like Fear and Desire and then there was another one called Killer's Kiss right. sort of a film noir and yeah. then you know The Killing which everyone should know about but still not one of his better known films and I mean, as a
1: really just great, you know, 50s film noir heist story, very yes. elaborate. The storytelling is interesting, beautifully shot. I mean, the I think the last shot when I, uh, is like one of the great ending shots in all of movies.
0: You know? Yes. You know, I love it. And Sterling Hayden is in it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But... That book, I always wanted it, but it was like eh, I can't. I think it was like hundreds of dollars. I can't remember exactly how much, but it was really expensive and and it was so big. I'm like, it's one of those books that when you think about buying it, you're like, okay, where am I going to put this? You know, <laughs> and when
1: I and when I move, it's going to yeah. you know, take up uh, you know half of the uh, U-Haul. You know,
0: I'm going to have to get a dolly and furniture pads and all. Yeah, yeah. but Toshin books. I really love them because they they seem to price their books affordable for things that are like, wow, really? This giant book, this giant art book is, you know, only $40 or $20 or something. But anyway, they released a um, compact version of the Stanley Kubrick archives, which you can hold with one hand. (laughs) Amazing. It's a bit small. You know, I I got this on Amazon for 20 bucks which... I mean, it's a big, fat, hardcover book, and it's full of. I am just going to randomly show some some stuff. It's still got all.
1: Does it have all the? I mean, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but does this have all the photos that the big, giant book did, just in smaller form, or do they? Is it abridged? You know,
0: I am not sure to be honest. I didn't. I didn't go through both of them, but to me, this looks like it's got everything. It's just, it's just that they're smaller. You know, right? It's got. It's got some beautiful behind-the-scenes photographs from his films. Um, It also... And it goes through chronologically all of his movies. And it's got some reprints of sketches and blocking diagrams and script pages Mm -hmm. and things like that. And it's just loads of fun. I mean, even without the photographs, it's really interesting to read it, too, because it goes into details about the production and how he co-produced with with people and how he got together in his early early stages of his career when people weren't it didn't know who he was you know they were like okay right. this is a really sort of obnoxious kid who wants to make movies
1: yeah, and just from those, you know, the lower budget stuff. he said "Killer's Kiss," and then yeah, the killing, and then after that, I think it was "Paths of Glory," which is yes. a great war film
0: with uh, Kirk Douglas. I mean, Kirk, Kirk Douglas, Douglas,
1: and he's it's just a fantastic. I mean, if you haven't seen that, that is just. I mean, it's an anti-war film. Let's face it. Yeah, uh, World War One film, and then after that, he sort of. I think I'm not sure if he leapt up to um, Spartacus after that. I can't yeah, I think which was huge budget, big money, you know, big stars. Um, So uh, talk about a meteoric rise. And then from then on, a Kubrick film simply was an event. I mean, they don't, it took years for him to produce and make these movies because he did 50 60 100 takes sometimes driving actors crazy you know like why does you know it's not because he's looking for that still photography during a whole scene everything has to work exactly right throughout that whole scene with the actors and if an actor turns the wrong way or i'm sure he goes "Eh, that's not quite what i had in my mind let's do it again
0: right you know. There's there's lots of great stories like that in this book. There's one, I think it's George McCready, I'm not sure. Maybe another older actor who was in Paths of Glory that he was directing. He's like this young guy, and this actor's been in, you know, a hundred movies. And here's this young guy saying, Let's take this let's do this one more time. And the actor's like, We we have it. We have thirty takes already. And there's one Part in the book where the actor just blows up at him and just is yelling at him, This is ridiculous. You're a pompous idiot. This, you've got a hundred. We, we did, you know, 30 takes of this scene. What the hell are you talking about? You want to go again? Why? What the hell? And Stanley Kubrick just kind of smiled and nodded and said, Okay, well, let's just do it one more time. (laughs) He would just ignore, you know, people would, would, you know, rail on him on set and he would just. Okay. Well, let's just do you know. Let's just do one more. (laughs) And
1: I'm sure as he got after Spartacus and then things like Doctor Strangelove and of course when you get into 2001 and everything else, it's like he knows what he's doing. Uh, The actors will you know submit to whatever Mr. Kubrick wants on set. Right. I'm sure that's what happened the rest of the way.
0: You know, to me, one of his most interesting films is uh, Lolita. It's a it's a disturbing, you know, concept and 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 story, but it's um it's based on a really interesting novel, you know.
1: That a, book by Nabokov. Yeah, and
0: was. it's <laughs> about a pedophile. You know, it's about a yeah. guy who falls in love with a with a way too young girl. But that movie is so powerful. Um, the James Mason is just unbelievable in that he is so yeah. pathetic and right. he just. He gives it a hundred, and a thousand percent in this film. There's scenes where he's just losing his mind. He's so, he's so obsessed with Sue Lyon, you know, with with Dolores Hayes. There's scenes where he just breaks down and he's sh- he's shaking, you know. Yeah. And then there's other scenes where he's just being so callous and thought heartless there's a scene oh where he God, reads yeah. a letter that shelly winters character writes him and she's professing her love to him and this beautiful scene where he's sitting on the bed reading this letter out loud and he's just laughing at her yeah. because she is and he writes about her being this ridiculous cow you know this you know shr- shrill you know and just degrading her and this scene where he reads this letter where she's earnestly expressing her love for him and he's just laughing he's just it's
1: there's interesting emotion in kubrick films a lot of times they say kubrick films are lack emotion uh, yeah and you know i can see their point in some films but but they're actually go ahead
0: no i was about to say lolita is the is really to me the only film of his that has that level of emotion. Yeah. I, and that's it's what's true. so interesting about it to me because it's so emotional. It's like over the, the, emotions in that are so intense. There's a scene where, you know, James Mason goes to pick her, his, uh, y- y- this young girl up at the hospital and she's some other man has already picked her up, you know, her, Oh, Oh, oh sorry, sir. Her uncle came and got her and he loses his mind and they have to tackle him and p- pin him down to the floor and they're going to call the police, and he says, no, 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 don't call the police, because if they call the police, they'll find out what he's been doing with this little girl, you know? Yeah. And it's just the most pathetic breakdown, and they're going to get the straitjacket, and he's crying and on the floor, and these guys are holding him down. It's just, it's it's extreme emotion.
1: And, and I think, and this might be... I might be off on my theory here, but Lolita, it seems like it's a little bit more conventionally shot. Like it's yeah. more of a drama. It's focused on the emotions of the main characters. Whereas when you get into Dr. Strange love, yeah. it's c- completely different. It's all about the, this crazy look and there's a broad, you know, satirical comedy. And then there's other films, 2001 clockwork, orange, Barry Lyndon. they, It's less emotion. It's more like this still photograph come to life and you're just immersed in that. And I think his movies, you can watch them over and over and over again because of that. You're not, you're, you're focusing less on the story and like, how the hell did they do that shot in 2001 where he's running on the space station? How does that, how is that done? It's, and it's just still, it's mesmerizing and all his films have that. And I think that's where he's become the classic director who just he's giving you incredible eye candy it has nothing to do with special effects. It was everything to do with what he's what he's doing as a director.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right with Doctor Strangelove going through this book and and uh, going through you know the book of course has you know inspired me to watch some of his movies. That's why I'm, I just watched Lolita and um, Paths of Glory, Doctor Strangelove, and and I think Doctor Str- between Lolita and Doctor Strangelove, he became Stanley Kubrick. A hundred percent. I mean, Lolita is still beautifully shot and there's some innovative camera work. There are some of those straight down hallways, Kubrick shots, especially in the hospital scene where they tackle him. I was just talking about that's shot in one of those symmetrical straight down the middle shots where they take him out, you know, Mm -hmm. through the door. And there's a few Kubrickian kind of things in Lolita. But then, like you said, when you get to Doctor Strangelove, it's like okay, there's 100% Stanley Kubrick yeah. in yeah. full bloom, and then, like you said, from there on, 2001 and and uh, you know Barry Lyndon and Clockwork Orange and The Shining and all these other ones.
1: Full metal jacket. It's really metal, about yeah. yeah. That's and an eyes wide shut. Yeah, yeah. And um I, I like Paths of Glory has a couple of scenes like when they're going through the trenches, and yes. you know, and it's like, wow, it's like that's like uh, that film 1917 when came a couple of years has the same yeah. sort of vibe. So there were there were, but he got control of the movie, so I'm gonna make it my way hundred yeah. percent. So instead of having one or two of those shots, the whole movie sort of goes that way. And that's why we still watch his films, and that's why there's yes. books like this by Tashin, because they're mesmerizing films to watch. You can always go back to these yeah. movies. You can always watch them. You can start
0: them. watching them from any point, too, because I've watched them so many times. If, if a movie is already running, like Barry Lyndon is halfway through, I sit down and I can watch the rest of it and just, you know, it's – and Every frame of Barry Lyndon to me, that is one of my favorite films of all it's an time. Amazing Every frame movie. of it is gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous,
1: <laughs> and even a film like and I know you had the same feeling when you first saw The Shining because I had read the book before the movie. Yeah. So I had the Stephen King story in mind, and then as soon as I started watching the film, I said, "Oh, this is not the the book." Right. Because Jack Torrance is already off. He's not right. hasn't, he's not a regular guy. He's like yeah. he's not a guy who turns. He's already kind of off right after he's get-go. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> right, right. Right after at the very beginning. He's never a loving father, a loving right. husband. And so I, and then I was kind of cold to the film. Uh yeah, I but, was at first. Yeah, I was like, that just didn't work. It wasn't scary. It was kind of this, kind of that. I didn't care about the characters, yada yada yada. But I've watched it maybe twenty five times since. And now I really like it, and yeah. uh, because it it's just beautiful to watch those shots of the kid on the big wheel going down, you know, Danny Torrance going down, with you know, on the rug, then on the hardwood floor. On, the, I mean, that's mesmerizing stuff. So,
0: and know. it's that you see those stylistic things that he does again and again in his films that, you know, those straight down the hallway shots from behind, you know, where it's symmetrical, and that stare, you know, the Kubrick stare yeah where jack nicholson is staring at the camera and where where, um you know alex is staring at the camera at the beginning of clockwork orange there's there's a few of those in you know throughout his career of course you know in in um full metal jacket um vincent d'onofrio right and um yeah there's certain things that you can tell were something psychologically that that had an effect on Stanley Kubrick, and he just repeatedly went back to these kind of images, these, right. these shapes and these styles. But yeah, this book goes through the films one by one, and it's got enough about each one. And there's 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 other Kubrick books that go into more more production detail, but this one is a one stop. You know, you've got all of his movies in here, all the way up to Eyes Wide Shut, and it and it also goes into a little bit into uh, AI. and some of his other unproduced films like the big Napoleon film that he wanted to do and Mm-hmm. and um, things like that but yeah i rec- i recommend it it 's a book about movies, a book about one of my favorite directors and i i 'm going to speak for Mark and say one of his favorite directors too <laughs> oh,
1: I can always watch a Kubrick film in fact I watched two thousand and one a few weeks ago and mesmerized for the you know hundredth time watching that movie yeah it's again that's a, that's one where there's not really a flow through character i mean it just you know you don't really you know you, oh you get uh what 's his name the Hayden the the, uh, the scientist at Haywood Floyd the, or- Haywood Floyd, yeah. you're with him for about a, you know, twenty minutes, half hour. He's oh, he's kind of an issue. and then you never see him
0: again. You know, yeah, because he's gone.
1: Uh, he's gone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. The big
0: black block is the only continuing <laughs> character, and it it exactly. doesn't have very much dialogue at all. <laughs>
1: it doesn't. <laughs> so it's a. I mean, so he's just and, and a, having a book like that gets you if you if you and I do that with movie books. I I read that and I go oh I now I have to see yes we, we rewatch this film with a little bit of a different perspective maybe there's some sort of key thing that I didn't notice and this the book will you know point that out to me so I want to go see it again
0: and, so, and a lot of the dialogue with um, Peter Sellers in Lolita was evidently um, improvised on the set hmm. and Stanley just loved Peter Sellers he he. You know, just you can tell he loved him because he then he puts him in Doctor Strange Love later, right? And uh, he plays multiple characters in Lolita, but he's playing a character who is pretending to be multiple characters, right? In Lolita, but then in Doctor Strange Love, he literally plays different people. He plays different characters in Doctor Strange Love, and Kubrick originally wanted him to also play um, Kong, the um, the one that Slim, the character that Slim Pickens eventually played. Ah. Which I think Slim Pickens did a such a iconic job of that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, but Peter Sellers apparently didn't want to play that character because he wasn't confident with his Texas accent.
1: Interesting. Well, I mean, but he's. That, I mean, there's no fighting in the war room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have the yeah. Coca Cola company to answer, too.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, you know, it gets me excited to get that book, which I will. You know, yeah. I love movie books, and they just inspire me to go watch the movies I'm r- reading about. Yeah. And I've seen every. I don't think I've seen Fear and Desire. I, 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 I And I don't think I've seen Killer Kiss. I've seen yeah, everything else. Yeah, they're I'm sure okay. there's sort of, you know, whatever, low budget film noir. He's just finding his way, just trying to figure out what directing is. But well I've seen made. Everything- yeah, they're not the killing. The killing is what really is like yeah. great. And then from then on, you, you, there's not a stinker in the bunch. I even like Eyes Wide Shut, which a lot of people don't like. I find there's problems took me with a while. it. But, but it, there's something that about it that's interesting because it's yeah. kind of hypnotizing. You know? you know it's a set. It's not London. Tom Cruise is walking down a set that's built yeah. that's supposed to be where, where – I don't know if it's London or L.A. I can't remember. But um, it's fascinating to watch. Yeah. I think di- again, we talk about this it's a, fr- a when a, dr- a director makes the movie himself warts and all i'm in
0: yeah yeah that's
1: yeah. the way i feel about it i want to see a director doing everything and i'll take the stuff that's i'll t- i take the crummy dialogue i'll take the stupid logic i don't care because i'm i'm getting a feeling of the movie's a feeling
0: there are opposed- some directors like that with you know like david lynch and david cronenberg and uh where there's a style that they have there's a there's these things that they keep that they keep recycling in their work and it's not in a cheesy way it's like this is something that is genuinely a part of this person's psychology right that they are putting onto the film for us to to watch And yeah when That's you get that feeling yeah. like especially you know with the with kubrick and david lynch and and uh you know um even you know Spielberg and Scorsese, a lot of these directors have these it's a it it's it's where a film becomes art, I think absolutely instead yeah and of a product
1: you, and, and books aren't made for directors that don't have a certain style. I mean, yeah. books are made you know by Stanley Kubrick because his films have a certain something, and that's why. I, that's why it's fun to read about. Like, you, we've seen hundreds of movies. We'll never care about that movie again. We won't think about it. We'll move yeah. on to the next thing. There are very few directors that are like, stick with you. Yeah. And Kubrick, Hitchcock, you know, Cronenberg. You know, Hitchcock's on and, another
0: one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um,
1: so um, anyway, it's, uh, I, I'm going to get that book. I'm going to, you know, take the 20 bucks out of my wallet and go buy it.
0: It's a good one. It it makes you look sort of uh, classy if you have this on your coffee table, right?
1: As opposed to my Jughead comics. <laughs> that's cool too. <laughs> oh gosh, well this was fun. where you get and Jughead I'm... comics? I need
0: to. There's reprints. Oh,
1: oh, or... uh, oh, yeah, I've got I've got the whole. You know, I've got them all slabbed. You can't read them. Nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen. Thanks everybody for checking us out. I'm sure Kathy will be back next time to join us. And yeah. For- People joining the Cinemondo sphere of influence, but uh, yes, it's dealing with Burke.
0: So, it's good. Kathy will be back. We didn't fire her. I know the rumors are going around the trades that we fired Kathy, but totally <laughs> yeah. not true.
1: Not at all. Not at all. She not runs the show. All. That's for sure. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for watching. See you soon.
0: Thanks, everybody.
1: Bye.